Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. Uh, it, it's great to be back. I'm going to share just a little bit about what happened the last time we were here. But I just wanted to say uh, a couple of things, and then I'm going to let James, uh, he's got a, something that the Father showed him as well. But... Um, Where's Jeff? He's, he's having coffee. Anyway, Jeff and Wendy, thank you. Um, we wouldn't be here among you as friends if it wasn't for the way that the Father has... He, you know, God has a way of manipulating us and getting us to do the things and be in the places that we didn't think would, would be really advantageous to us, but it's always advantageous to Him. And uh, He does it out of the kindness of His heart. And uh, through my role in leading uh, pastors and ministers all across Canada, we got to know Jeff and Wendy. Uh, and they, last year, we came out and, uh, for another reason, and they asked us to be with you. And it, it, there really is an affection of heart. And I just want to say thank you um, for your yes to the Lord. And as you're also releasing your yes, you'll also release your no. <laughs> Whatever you don't want God, you know, when God asks you to do this, and you go, no. Um, that's part of our surrender to him. And uh, but, so I, we're just really humbled to be here among you. Um, one, of the, one of the great things in the song that was sung this morning about you are my shepherd and about the king, kingly authority of God because God has all authority, Jesus has all authority, he can leave his throne at any time because he's not worried about losing it. And he can come down as a shepherd because he has authority. And that's the way that he wants us to live. We all have, as brothers and sisters in Christ, authority, but we don't need to say, yeah, there's my throne. We can leave our thrones at any time or our mantles or our callings and come and be whatever the Father needs us to be to who he wants us to, to work with. That is the glory of God. And that's just the power of God. Because he has all authority, he can heal. Why can he heal? Because he can forgive sin. And why does he forgive sin? Because he sits on a throne. And that's just the, the beauty. And when he comes among us to heal and deliver and set us free, it's because he has all authority. And I, we just bow to that. Um, he's not only our, our glorious king, he's our humble king uh, who isn't afraid of losing anything. And so I just, I'm just so grateful that he's my shepherd. I really am. Um, and so, and as a shepherd, he leads me in paths that please him. And sometimes it pleases God most to bring people into your lives, whether it's Jeff and Wendy or the team here. Uh, in the providence and timing of God, God brought James into my life uh, three years ago. And uh, I can confidently say when I bring him with me or love to bring him with me, um, Paul said this of Timothy, he says, I'm going to send you Timothy because I can't get there, and I'm sending you Timothy because I don't know of anyone else that would represent me the way Timothy would represent me and represent the Father, and I have full trust in the Father in his life to represent the Father well and me. And uh, James, I, I, I view him that way. 
and um, we, we just have this wonderful um, relationship of walking together, and so it was just a joy to bring him along with me, and uh, so James is just going to come and share a couple of things, and, and then about tonight. Thank you. I um, was pastor for about 15 years, and when COVID hit, um, people would ask me um, about my walk with Jesus. And they, you know, how's you know, people would say, "How's your walk with Jesus?" And I would just think about all my disciplines. I would, my answer would be, "Why, well, you know, I was just in the." I would answer that way. And, but I would say I could feel, the closest I feel to him is when I'm preaching. And I learned after COVID, the reason I felt the closest to him was because I could sense his love coming through the word and into the lives of people. And when there weren't people, all I had was a camera, and I couldn't feel him staring at a camera. And I began to hold my panic and take my panic to God. And I remember I lived on the North Shore near mountains. Remember, I was working on a sermon, and I was telling God, why don't I feel you anymore when I'm preaching? And I heard him say in my mind, I want to show you that you can hear my voice. And immediately I knew if I walked with Jesus as a person, we would become friends. So I said, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with you every day, rain or shine, other than Saturdays, because I have four kids. I just said no Saturdays, but, but I'll still be your friend, but I won't do that. <laughs> but I'll go for a prayer walk and... And then I, I did it. I was, I was at the police provincial park this morning. So for three and a half years, I have walked with a person and he became uh, so close. And I learned, I remember the first three weeks, I would say out loud to him, I would say, <laughs> I would say, okay. I, said, I would say, I'm not here for the exercise. I would tell him that. <laughs> Just, but I think I was telling me that, you know? But I, w I, and then I said to him, if you're going to speak to me, I said, Lord, please don't let me get to heaven and find out I had a weird relationship with my own brain. I said, I just don't want to find out like, you know, that was me. Like, no, like, so I said that. And then I would do the whole, like, if like no demons can talk and just Jesus. And I would, then I would say, Lord, Psalm 27 says, I just want to seek your face. And then I would walk. And I remember because this was very new for me. I would just, at the close to two-thirds in, I would, I would say, okay, okay, I've told you everything. And I'd say, okay, is there anything you want to say? And I was so nervous. And I, for three weeks, I would just hear one thing. I would just hear, I love you. And I would, you know, smile. At first, at first I was like, okay, it's biblical. <laughs> it's in the book. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I'm not, you know. But by the third week, like 20 days of, being with a person and hearing, I love you, you could feel as though he was himself, his presence. And I remember feeling he's like a person. 
and I'd preached for 15 years and been a Christian and went to Moody Bible Institute. I mean, I, and then I was walking to my van and I heard him say, I love doing this with you. And when I heard him, I felt like I was the happiest person on the earth. I was like a kid in a candy shop. I couldn't wait to go back. I, I would just drive and I would, I would just, I would enter that forest walk and I'd be like, good morning, Jesus. And I would feel him and, and I began a friendship with him. And in the forest, he began to just, I remember one Sunday he said to me, I'm healing, because I would ask him, I was like, all the time, I was like, what do you want to do this Sunday? And I heard him say, I'm healing knees. I was like, what? I was like, physical, like the, I pointed to them so that we're on the same page. I was like, this? And he said, yes, knees. I said, because normally when I ask him, what do you want to do this Sunday? He, I will hear like, I want to release peace or I'll hear, I'll tell you, that, you know, when you're preaching or whatever. And I was like, we're on this, this one. He said, yeah, I'm healing knees. I said, oh my goodness. So the first person I called was Steve. And, and the pastor said, I, hey, is this normal? I think, I think I heard that Jesus wants to heal knees. He's like, that sounds like him. Okay. Okay. So we get to the, we get to the service and I was preaching with, you know, my, my friend who was the pastor of the church at that time. And, and, um, and, the last song's going, and I sit down next to my wife, and we're worshiping, and I just hear, like, a record. I'm healing knees, I'm healing knees. And I remember just saying, like, okay, okay. I was like, are you just telling me that? Because, like, we're friends, and you're just doing something, and we're just, you're so close to me. He said, no. He said, go release a healing. I said, what? I didn't know what to do. So my heart's like, release it. So I was like, I, I go to the pastor, I said, hey, Ryan, I think Jesus wants me to tell everyone that he's healing knees. And he said, James, he's like, I can feel the fire of God on me. And I was like, well, then you go. So, so he takes, his true story, he takes the mic and he looks around and he sees this girl, Kim, and he's like, Kim got, and he just gives her a word about God's not done with her life. And Kim was hit by, she was a professional soccer athlete, played for uh, the white caps all over, all over. And she was, she had a bike injury and she couldn't run and, and for eight years blew out her knee. And he just prophesied over her, and then he gives me the mic. And I am panicking, but I look super spiritual because my eyes are shut. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, well, what if he doesn't do it? And then, and then I think, well, what if he does? And I just, you know, I just said, Jesus is healing knees. And all of a sudden, she just hits the ground, and another woman falls on the floor, and... Jesus completely healed her knee and she could run the next day. She shared her testimony and I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> I, I didn't. And it, I remember it, I was, I couldn't get off the floor for a while. And, um, but the biggest thing in my life was he would tell me things just in the place that he loved to spend time with me in the forest and it didn't matter what I heard, and it was, it was that I could get his heart for the people he loved. And I began to be addicted to his love. And so tonight, he's given me a few words of knowledge for healing. And I've learned that he's a person, and when 
the person, he's present with us in the omnipresence, but he loves to manifest it as, as an awareness that he's a, he's a person. And when the people came to see Jesus and they saw him, like, because they would see a person, they would, oh, there's the person. And the Bible says they would come to him to hear and to be healed. They knew when they saw the person, when he was manifest, they would listen to, to him and they would be healed. And I've learned that when in my friendship, I can understand that he's present with me, I stop preaching or I stop doing anything because I yield at that moment and then he starts ministering and he begins to heal. But it all happens in the forest with me. So that's what we're going to do tonight. But this morning I felt that he, if you have any issues with lungs or asthma, that he's present to heal asthma and lungs this morning. And that just to come after prayer during ministry time, and he will heal you. He'll even heal you while Steve's preaching. And so if you have any lungs or asthma issues, I also believe that if you know anyone with pancreatic cancer, that they're supposed to come tonight, or anyone who has cancer, to come tonight. I feel like, I feel like I'm, he just said, okay, give it to Steve. <laughs> Hey, hey, I love doing this with you. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Isn't that just the best? Um, yeah, so Justin told me, like, it's, it's already like 12, 18. He told me that you guys are all intermittent fasting and you don't eat till 5? Sweet. This is, we're game on, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so turning your Bibles to um, hmm, Luke 19. One of the things, the, the book of Acts says this about Jesus. James and I, get, we just love, love to have fun. And James and I, when, when, when Justin brought the podium out, he says, oh, that's a really nice podium. We like, we like a good pulpit. And then, and then, but then our conversation kind of turned and we said, yeah, which is better, a really good Bible or a really good podium, pod, pulpit? And we said, oh, a really good Bible. And, and we're, we're kind of nerds, Bible nerds. Um, so we're, we're Bible sniffers. And ser seriously, seriously, we are. Like we, 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 we go hunting for Bibles and we we smell them and the leather on this one. Like, do you want to smell this Bible? It's gorgeous. I, I, learned, I learned from a pastor, his name was Jack Hayford, years and years ago. I was uh, a young man and, uh, and he picked up his Bible and he said, before we read it, can you just take your Bible with you right now and just do this? Doesn't he smell good? Like the father has an aroma around him that's glorious. And sometimes you hear accounts uh, from accurate sources where you sit, you, they, you know, in the presence of the Lord and worship or whatever, all of a sudden an aroma would enter the room. 
And it's like that, that pure skinnard ointment that was poured out and the aroma filled the atmosphere of the room. And we kind of believe that way with our Bibles. <laughs> and so when you were talking about Amazon and bins, we're going, there's going to be returned Bibles in those bins. <laughs> and they're going to be really good returned Bibles in those bins. How do we get to those bins? <laughs> and so we have, we have this other little joke among us. We go, so what Bible are you reading this year? Do you, do you have your 2024 version in, in what kind of binding and setting and translation that you want? He's already got his. And I said, oh, I have my eyes set on this one. You know, and I'm hoping my kids will give it to me for Christmas, but if not, you know, it's funny, with our wives, we, we, we kind of have this joke where we, where we go, hey, honey, oh, another Bible? <laughs> they know right away, what, another Bible? And, and we say, well, you know, and, and one day I, I, was, I was musing over the expense of these Bibles. Like, some of them are really expensive. And, and I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a, an avid fly fisherman, but not just a fly fisherman, I'm a dry fly fisherman. Yes. And so I, and, and so my wife, and I used to rep flies, and when I was church planting, I was working in a sporting goods store, and I taught fly fishing for 15 years. And my wife goes, how much did you spend on your fly rod? I went, oh, I could buy two Bibles. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> anyway, um, so in the book of Acts, and this is out of the new King James Version in goatskin leather, by the way. Um, <laughs> He is clothed in majesty, right? But it says this um, in, in verse 1 of Acts chapter 1. The former account I made to you, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. And after, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We are here with infallible proofs that he's alive. We have seen him. Like physically, boy, sometimes you think it is. We have seen the evidence of, of his living, breathing life in the earth. And we've seen in, with, by infallible proofs. And I want to share a couple of those things. And one specifically that occurred when I came here last year and now that we're back here again. But I want to go over to, to Luke chapter 19. And before, just if you just kind of hold that in your... With your see these really good Bibles have have like three ribbons and you can just mark wherever you want need to go. Um, in my time with the Lord over the last, James goes to the forest. I I go to my living room and and Jesus makes me really good coffee, and um, yeah, but but we spend time with him because he's our friend, and he is he is he visits us. And he enforces the reality of his life, his tangible life in the earth with infallible proofs. And, 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 and it's just humbling and remarkable. And it's, it doesn't set us up as anybody that, you know, you, you haven't had any. Well, we'll we, what we carry, we can give away. And so if you've never experienced the fullness and the life of Christ, 
to the degree that you want. We will, we will pray for you, and God will meet you. One of the verses as we were worshiping, and I had walked through the, the, and met some of you dear people, the Lord said to me, remind them, and, and we're going to do a lot of reminding today, but remind them of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, and it says this, the pure in heart will see God. Will. The pure in heart will see God. And we're going to talk in a few minutes about what that looks like. And I just want to share this with you very, very quickly. This is on the heart of the Father. It's not that you view yourself as pure in heart. It's that he does. Because the enemy will tell you you're not pure in heart. But the Father says the pure in heart will see me. They will. And I just want to release that over you, that the purity that God sees in your life would be released in and through you, and God would meet you where you're hungry and desirous to see him. We were uh, flying here from, Van, from Abbotsford to Calgary, and then we, got on, we went down in the dungeon of the Calgary airport to get on a medicine half flight. <laughs> we go, where are they taking us? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, so we're on the plane, and, and with infallible proofs, let me help you with one small infallible proof of the presence of God, his active living reality, and that the pure in heart will see God will be met by God. And pure simply means what? Like I'm, I'm, I'm clean? No, it means I'm single-minded. I have a pure heart. I, this is, this is the, it's pure. There's no motive in this other than I want to see him. So we're on the plane, and, and um, it, it's, it's interesting. In our life, nothing happens by chance, and there's no insignificant act that takes place. Um, and uh, as I was packing, I was preparing, I said, oh, Lord, which book do I, do, should I bring to read on the plane and read in the airport? And I've been reading one on the life of David, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. And I went, oh, I, I really want to bring this one. He goes, no, bring this one. So I brought a book that I just picked up. We were at, um, my wife and I were just in Redding, California at Bethel at the Leaders Conference. And our daughter did her, um, she's, she was there for three years and did her internship with Haley Braun. And so I went there and I went, oh, I want to buy her new book to bring it back for our daughter, Julia. So the Lord said, you're going to need two books. And I went, okay, so I bought two. And, um, and, I, and I said, uh, oh, I'd, I'd really love her to have, it, to have her autograph this book. And, and so I look around, and I'm going, and the Lord goes, yeah, you know, you don't need her to autograph it. You know her. I went, oh, you're right. So I got, took these books home, and uh, so I brought one of them on the plane. And I was in the airport, and I, was, I read half of it because I know the story. It's like, like the more you get to know him as, as a person, the more this you'll hear, oh, this sounds like dad. This sounds like him. I know him. I know his voice. Like if I wrote a book after speaking to you and then I wrote a book and you bought my book, which I don't have, but he, if, if you would read the book and you'd hear my voice. And that's what he wants for you when you read the scriptures. Do you hear his voice? It shifts everything in, in your life because you know him. Then when you read the book, you hear him. So I've got this book by Haley and it's, and it's wonderful. And it's all about how she had a dramatic encounter where the Lord removed the fear of man in her life. 
Now, listen to this. Remove the fear of man in her life. She operated in the kingdom, did miracles, did things, but she still every day had this conscious fear of God in her life. And God met her with an encounter and radically changed her. And then she wrote the book. So in this, in this story, um, you know, we're, we're on the plane and I have the book and I show it to James and then I stick it in the little bungee thing there, you know, in the front of the seat. And, uh, and all of a sudden I hear this voice from behind, behind us in a plane. Have you ever had anybody talk to you from behind you? And, they, and this was the question. Um, like, um, excuse me, like if you're not reading that Jesus book, can I take a look at it? Like, who asks that on a plane? That boy, you know, that, that, you know, if you're not finished with that sandwich, you know, like, could I, could I just, could I just try it? It looks really good. That's what she was saying. That Jesus book? Like, who talks like that? That, like, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not reading that Jesus book right now, could, could I, could I take a look at it? It was like, oh, girl, yeah, here. And then the Lord said to me, you're going to give her that book. I went, Oh, I needed two. Oh, and I thought it was for me. It wasn't for me. And then I said to James, oh, you know, the book's all on encounter. This girl went beyond awkward. Went beyond because she wanted to see God. That Jesus book? Can I, can I? She went past what was socially acceptable on a plane. You know that, you know that book? Can I, can I just, can I, can I have that book? She went beyond because of the hunger in her heart, which she didn't tell us she was hungry. She was hungry to see God. And she said, you know that book, can I have it? Can I take a look at it? So I handed it to her and I said to James, oh, it's all on encounter. She's going to have an encounter. She's going to read that and she's going to meet you. Now, she's already a believer, but she's hungry to see him. And God's going to take that book like we're going, okay, this isn't going to be the last time we know this girl. So after, you know, with plane lands and James says, you know, can we pray for you? Who are you? What are you doing? And she goes, well, I'm, I'm kind of just newly appointed as a chaplain uh, at the University of Victoria. And we went, oh, University of Victoria, here comes Jesus. The whole place is going to be lit up with encounter because nothing happens by chance because he's alive and he has all authority. And he can move wherever he wants. And that's what he wants us to understand in a relationship with him. He is coming and visiting the earth. That wasn't a good idea. Oh, I'm going to take this book and, you know, Jesus, tell me who to give it to. Sometimes we, and those are good, good thoughts, but we're in, a, we're in a realm where things are shifting and changing, where he's doing it and he's saying, are you with me? Not our, Jesus, are you with us? Right? We're going to get to that in a minute. So um, I just want to give you a little bit of context. Um, this morning... I wrote it this way, and I just want you to just close your eyes for a minute. Um, you can keep them open and look at me if you want, but nothing to look at. Um, just close your eyes, because I'm just going to say some words, and I just want to, to release an impartation. So we want to listen this morning with the eyes of our heart. So Father, begin to release our hearts to see you this morning. He speaks, when he speaks to us, he doesn't just pass us notes or say, hey, get my book. His voice has inflection and heart. His eyes reveal his heart. His voice goes deeper than notes or words. 
His affection is greater than any agreement we can have, any alignment, or any assignment that he gives us. His affection is the only thing that will last for eternity. And he is hungry for us. There are things that happen to you and around you, and then there are things that mark you. And you're never the same. God wants to mark you with his affection, where he becomes your best friend. So, Father, I ask that you would release and mark us today with your affection. Hmm. The real Jesus. And Lord, from this day on, we would never be the same because we have met you face to face. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. James and I, when we travel, or well, just it's just who we are. We believe that where there's a desire to see Jesus, things happen. It's a powerful thing. When there's, where there's a desire, and you'll find this all through the, the, the annals of Scripture, good theology is, is knowing how God lives and moves and, and works in the earth. Um, let's just say it this way. Well, there, there is something of the desire of God, and I, I just need to share it. I want to go back to, you just bear with me as I'm just kind of navigating where we're supposed to go this morning. But um, I, I need to revisit our, my visit with you last August. I was here last August. And it, it's really interesting because I really believe that this is a strategic weekend, uh, not for you and not for us, but for him. And sometimes, like, I've, I've shifted my language because language creates culture, and culture helps us navigate our behavior. And I'm learning in my life as I'm getting older and older that he is shifting my language to be more in line with his heart and what he wants to do. And so I'm realizing that, you know, we would say it this way before, what a strategic weekend, how powerful this is for us. And now I'm saying... This is strategic for him, and he's revealing his hand and his purpose in arranging this weekend together because it's for him and his glory and his purposes. Because we're, and, and so um, I, I, I just need to say, these, these words here came to me. We're in a, we're in a we've entered into, from, from what I'm sensing, from last August to, to even today where we are now, we've entered a, what we call, a, what I would call a prophetic economy. And a prophetic economy isn't prophetic words leading. It's there's a, there's a currency in heaven where God is, and prophecy is simply God telling us his heart. It's not telling us what to do. That can happen and be part of that, but really he's telling us his heart. What's on his heart and what's on his mind. And it's not, it, 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 it doesn't lead us it confirms things in our lives and our hearts. I don't know about you, but I, I've been around the prophetic ministry. Some people say, oh, it started in 1991 in Kansas. No, like I grew up with it all my life. And I've been marked by the heart of God, spoken through men and women who have been courageous enough to speak prophetic words over my life. And what I've found in my life is that the prophetic words, even last night when you got your team spoke some words over me, they spoke to things that he marked me with years and years ago. 
And I realize in the prophetic that, that God will encounter a man or a woman. He will visit them, and then he will begin the process of transforming your life into his likeness. It's not to be used by God. It's to become like God. Not God's, but his likeness. We were created in his image, his likeness. And right now in the earth, the battle is over likeness. How are we created? Are we man, woman, or not, or what? And, and you realize that the issue isn't that. It's I was created in the likeness of my father, do, and, and the end game is likeness. Do I look like him? Do I sound like him? Do I think like him? And it's a powerful thing. And in a prophetic economy, um, there's, there's a shifting taking place. And I shared it last time that, that when God... When God visits the earth, we find this in Genesis chapter 1, it says that darkness was over the face of the earth and it says the Holy Spirit brooded. He was stirring. And I learned, and I've learned from the Father that when he broods, he's in creative mode. And I believe in the economy that we're in now in the prophetic life of the, of the body of Christ, um, that he's brooding over the earth. And when he broods, he's creating uh, something of his desire and heart that pleases him. Back in Genesis 1, when he brooded and created, do you remember after every day, what did he say? This is good. Well, who, who, who is he saying it to? Himself. This is good. And that's a powerful thing. The, the, thing, the thing about when God broods is, um, and he creates, we as his creation often go say, well, I didn't see that coming. I wouldn't have thought of that. Wow, that's brilliant. Because his ways aren't our ways. They're higher than our ways. But what he does is he invites us into his ways so that we would understand what's, what, he, what, is, what he's like. The thing about God is you can't box him in. And we're really good at boxing God in in the church. Even our structures are boxes. They're creative boxes, but they're still boxes. Because we're trying to fit God into a habitat that we think pleases, it really, it pleases us. Like even as you're, you're renovating this new space, you're, you're actually doing it for you. He's not concerned about the brick and mortar. His dwelling place is you. Like this, this, this could all go in a, in a wind. Like you got some pretty good haymakers out here in these trees. I go, widow makers, like, oh. Um, but what the Father does when he comes with a prophetic, prophetic economy is he'll mark you he will transform your life through process, and then he'll reinforce the words and his desires over you. And so what he does is he comes prophetically. And Paul said to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, he said, Timothy, use the, remember the prophetic words that were spoken over you by the laying on of my hands. And in doing so, remember them, and in doing so, you will wage a good warfare. He didn't say yell at the devil. He said, review what I've told you. The prophetic words that marked you, they will cause you, help you to wage a good warfare. Sometimes we don't do that. We, we come up with strategy on how we're going to defeat the enemy. And the Lord has said here to Timothy, Timothy, remember the prophetic words. Remember God's heart for you and where you know God spoke to you and you met him. Re rehearse those, and in doing so, you'll wage a good warfare. Why? Because the warfare wasn't over the things. It was over the belief system in his heart. Is this really God? And so God will come with prophetic words and remind us of things 
to reinforce his desire for us in the earth. It's a powerful thing. So um, I, I just want to call, so I'll, I'll say this too. So last night, your team, the, the team here prophesied over James and myself, and I recorded it because I'm going to use it against him. Because when his heart fails him, I'm going to say, James, remember this prophetic word? I was there. See, that's what community does. He says, hey, remember that word? I'm going to remind you of who you are in Christ. We had an encounter, you know, um, on the Friday night. We flew in, and then we went over to a family's house for dinner. And um, remember, I, I, I was trying to choose two books to bring. One was on David, and one was the, the book that I gave away. And the book that I left was all about the heart of David and all the tests and battles he went through. And every time God would come to David and reinforce his heart saying, I'm reminding you of who you really are and who I need you to be. And so on the Friday night, we go over, everything's planned by God. We go over to this family's house. And guess what the guy's name is? David. And, I, and it's not his real name. It's Shinjay Kang, David Kang. And I said, David, how did you choose your name? David. Because some people that are of ethnicity and, and come into different countries um, that are English-speaking, they, they choose a, like a Canadian name. I said, how did you come to choose your name? And he goes, well, I didn't. I go, well, what do you mean you didn't? He said, it came through prophetic words. I go, oh. And we ended up praying for him and, and reminding him of who he really is. And the warfare, he says, yeah, we're under a lot of warfare. I said, well, use your name. Declare your name. I am David. A man after God's own heart. Oh, the, the enemy doesn't like that. So that, that's, what, that's the power of community. It's not just to come and, and you know, hear good words. It's to come and remind ourselves of his word. Not only in the scriptures, but in the, and they strengthen us and keep us, but it says remind yourself of, of, how, of what words have been spoken over one another. It was, a great, it was a great thing last night, too, and I just want to say how wonderful your team is. But we were, we were there, and sometimes when guests come, it's like, oh, well, the guests are going to do the prophesying. And halfway through, I looked over, and I said, you know, do you guys prophesy over Justin and Amanda? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll come out, you know, kind of we do. I said, well, come, let's do it together. And sometimes we think that we can't prophesy over our friends. Heaven forbid, we want to prophesy over our friends. Because we want to strengthen them. If they're our friends, we want to treat them like we want to be treated. Like, please prophesy over me. Remind me of who I am in him. It's a powerful thing. So when I came in August last year, I was carrying a word. Um, my, it, I wasn't planning to visit Haven. Um, I was planning. I had a word that I received from the Lord for the YWAM base. And not just the YWAM base, but what I felt was all of YWAM. And uh, so I had friends coming from New Zealand. They were in Calgary, and they felt the word was, was really important as well. So they were going to come, and we were going to meet together. Uh, and um, Donna Jordan was going to open up a meeting for that. And it took place. And I got to the meeting, and my friends from New Zealand shared on the heart of the Father, which was really the core of the word. And I never got to say anything the whole weekend. And then, and, but because I was coming to Medicine Hat, uh, Jeff and Wendy said, you know, you're going to be here. Can you speak at Haven? And I said, well, I'd love to speak for you guys. And, what, and, and I never had a chance to deliver the word that I thought God was giving me for YWAM. What I didn't realize, though, was the word wasn't just for YWAM. It was for me, too. And, it, and, and sometimes when a word is given, it's for an appointed time. 
not immediately. And so the word that I was carrying at that time, not the one for YWAM, but part of it was I was preparing for our national conference and the word that I heard heading into our national conference and I shared it here and you probably can pull it up out of your archives and if you want to listen to that, um, it was the word more. And I was walking around you know, with my friend Jesus like James does. Um, we were on a prayer walk together and I was walking around and I had headphones in my, like earbuds in my ears and I, was, I made the mistake of listening to the song, where you go, I go, what you say, I say. And I said, Jesus, I'm so hungry for you. I really want to, I, I just, I'll, I just, I just want to, you know, I'm just so hungry for you. I want more of you. And that was our theme, more. Because, you know, in churches we go, more, Lord, more. And the Lord goes, oh, by the way, you're, you think you're hungry for me, but actually that's not your hunger. I'm allowing you to experience my hunger for you. I want more. And I went, oh, I can't believe you're so hungry. Like you are, you are famished. Like I was famished, but this is you allowing me to feel you? And God in a prophetic economy will flip things around where we want God to come for us. And God's going, no, I'm visiting the earth and it's for me. We say, oh, but God, but don't you, don't you come for us? He goes, yeah, but if I come for me, you get in on it. All the earth will see my glory and you will, glo you, will, you will be affected by that glory and it will answer the deepest desire of your heart. And so when I got here, that was the word I was carrying. It wasn't the word I was going to give um, YWAM. But anyway, I was staying at, at Chris and Sarah's and uh, I'll just remind you of this. Um, about three in the morning before that Sunday, it was that Saturday night, that Sunday morning, three in the morning, the Lord said, wake up. There's a book in the, in the side of the... Um, bed in the little cubby there, pull it out and read the first three chapters. And I pulled it out and it was the book Anne of Green Gables. And I, if, if you were in the meeting last year when I talked about that, I said, how many know the story of Anne of Green Gables? And like three quarters of you lifted your hands. Um, but what it was, was, so when we're staying back at your place, first thing I did, I said, I'm picking room number one. <laughs> and I'm going to go right over there and go, yeah, there's the book. Because God wanted to remind me in my heart Prophetic words aren't just to remind others. When you're given a prophetic word, it's to remind you of who he is as well. So I, I read that book, and in the book was the story, um, and it was a word that I shared. Uh, I received that, that early morning, that early Sunday morning, was that God, uh, in the story of the Anarchy and Gables, just make it really the Coles notes, they were trying to figure out how to sustain the farm. They didn't know what they would do. They were getting older. So they decided they were going to go to an orphanage and get a little boy. Because we could get a little boy. He could do the work around the farm, young enough to train and discipline, and old enough to be able to push a wheelbarrow. And so they thought, this is what we'll do. So they ordered, ordered a little boy. And uh, Matthew Cutberg goes to the train station and, to pick up the little boy. And it's not a little boy. It's a little girl. And not just any little girl. It's Anne Shirley, red-haired, and with an E attitude, um, and she came home, and Marilla says to Matthew, they were brother and sister, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to do, we don't want this, this, it, it's the wrong, we ordered a boy, because we need a boy, what will this girl be able to do to help us? And Matthew had the heart of the father, even though he wasn't her father, and he said, you know, can't she just stay, please? 
let's, let's give her a try. She's so sweet, you know? And so she stays for a week and then two weeks and then three weeks. And what the Lord said to me was this. The body of Christ is in a place, and it's still a really important word, and he wanted me to remind you and myself of this word and speak it into the atmosphere. He is coming, the, the body of Christ is looking how to sustain itself. And it thinks it knows what it needs. And so it's ordering from God, Lord, this is what we need to carry this work forward. And God's going, you think you know what it needs? I'm going to bring you something completely different that you don't think is the right answer. And it's going to upset the whole apple cart. The Holy Spirit. It's going to upset the whole apple cart. But it's going to answer the deepest desire of your heart. But you have to you have to want, like there's something in this. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you, you, do you want me to talk about that again? He says, you're going back on Remembrance Day weekend. Ah, oh, you want us to remember that word. He says, yeah, because it's not done yet. It's not done yet. So I said, Lord, you know, confirm that. Because, you know, sometimes we are fallible. So God, through many infallible proofs, will reveal his heart and his mind to us. So I'm getting ready to come. And on the Monday of the week, so we came on Friday, Monday, I get a phone call from our used bookstore in the town of Chilliwack, where James and I live. And the, and the call is, oh, uh, Mr. Schroeder, your, your book has arrived. I go, I didn't order a book. What book? He goes, oh, Anne of Green Gables. I go, I, I ordered Anne of Green Oh, yeah, last October. Yeah. And I said, oh, I remember now. After I visited here, I went home. I bought a copy of Anne of Green Gables, and I had a friend of mine staying with us, a prophetic friend, who lives in Prince Edward Island, and the Lord said, give this copy of Anne of Green Gables to him to take home to his wife because his wife is like Anne Shirley. She, you know, she she's upsets the apple cart. And I sent it with him to her and it spoke to her so deeply, prophetically, reminded her of who she is. Now I don't have a book. And so I'm going, so now October, uh, well, November here on the, the Monday, I said, oh, well, we'll come over right away. And so we went over and, and, and got the book. I didn't bring it with me because it's pretty valuable. It's not only a hardcover edition of Anne of Green Gables, but it's the 1942 hardcover first Canadian edition of Anne of Green Gables. And God says, I have not forgotten my word. And this is, I mean, it was like a prize. Like, like first Canadian edition. And it was in mint condition. It was just like, oh. I want this book. But the Lord said, I want you to remember that the timing of the weekend that you're coming to Haven is where you receive that word, and I'm not done with that word, and I'm still going to do this in the earth because I'm, I'm visiting wineskins. I need you to know that when, when you receive a word from the Lord, there's a difference between a word that you carry and a word that carries you. There's a difference. 
Sometimes you can carry a word, but when a word carries you, you don't have the ability to control where it takes you or the timeline that it's on. All you know, you're in a prophetic economy where God is doing something in the earth and he's taking you along. The Bible calls when God is a, a triumphant king and he comes in battle, it says that he takes captivity captive and he, lead, he kind of keep, takes us in the train of his glory. So it's not up to us where he's going. We want to take God where we're going and God say, no, I've taken you captive. I'm going to take you where I want to go. The amazing thing about that is, um, as, I, as I started getting into the new year, I said to the Lord, what's my word for the year? And he said, um, he took me to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and the word was unto him. So last year was the word more, he's coming for more. Now the word was unto him. And I said, what is that all about? And he said that the body of Christ during Samuel's, when Samuel was a little boy, Hannah was so hungry for God to have an heir God gives her Samuel. She dedicates him to the house of the Lord. And Samuel is there, and there's no vision in the house of the Lord. There's no, God's not speaking. And the house of the Lord is a mess. And you find where the Lord says this, I'm, I'm not really happy with the, the temple, the way things, and my priests. I'm going to raise up a priest, a faithful priest, unto me, who will do everything that is according to my heart and mind. And I realized, oh, and he, the Lord said this very clearly to me. He said, Steve, you're a priest for me, not the people. Justin and Matt, you're, you're priests to him, not the people. You don't serve the people. The minute a priest serves the people, it's death. We found that with King Saul. When the prophet said to Saul, wait for me to come, and Saul didn't wait, He's, and, and Samuel comes along after a victory, and they, they slaughter bulls and goats, and they sacrifice, and Samuel said, wait for me. Why? Because it was the priestly order to, do, to offer the sacrifice, and Samuel gets there late, and Saul didn't know how to pivot. Where's Samuel? What's going? Well, he told me he was going to be here at three. He's not here. Oh, my. Well, I think I'll take matters into my own hands. After all, I am the king, so I think we'll just go ahead with the the sacrifice. And Samuel comes along the prophet and says, why didn't you wait? He says, well, I, I, you didn't come when you told me you were coming. He says, well, for that, you're going to lose your kingdom. Sometimes in the body of Christ, you know, God will tell us something. Like, I was, I was working with someone the other day, and, and they said, oh, well, I, I said, we, we're, we're going to do this. And then two days later, I went, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead. And they go, what, what are you changing your mind for? I go, God changed my mind. He told me that that was a lousy idea. We're going to do this instead. But the, the difference is, and, and James was talking about this, is we, we want to move where he's moving. And sometimes he does things unconventionally where we want to put him in a box. And we say, God, it's like with, with Haven. Oh, we, we've got that. You know, you, you went from the Dream Center to that other church, and you did the swap. And then you thought, wow, this is wonderful. How great is this? I mean, it was a pretty good, like, good, good building. And it's like, well, now we can't get a mortgage. Well, God, what did you bring us here for then? Learn how to pivot. Follow the cloud. Follow my presence. Don't make a judgment too soon. I'm your friend. Let's walk this out. And, then, and now you're here. Now, here's the key. you got to hold this loosely. Because it's not about 
oh, so this is their landing spot. It's like, no, you're following me. The thing about that is interesting. And, I, and so when, when the Father is raising up churches and leaders and ministries that minister to him, it doesn't always go well with the people. But we need leaders, we need men and women who follow the voice of God and know the heart of God and know him as a person and are willing to do everything they can to see God and have many infallible proofs added again and again and again that he is the living act of God. And the people, we, we as a people need that in the body of Christ. And that's what the Lord's coming to do. The thing about that is um, <laughs> he will give us opportunity to experience that. So on October 15th, you guys had an, an occurrence here in the church. Do you remember? I'm going to remind you. So on October the 15th, which was not even, well, it'll be a month ago this week, I, on, in your service that you had, it was like you, you did a Facebook post and you said, guys, God did something among us and we, we couldn't stop worshiping. Now, in the flesh, that's unconventional and it pushes past the norm and the way we do things. But you noticed it as a leader. Something's happening among us that's different. Now, that's part of God shaping us and creating us as a community to do things unto him. Are you willing to follow me, whatever it looks like? Even if it goes against what is acceptable or what the judgment of others in their mind will say, oh, well, that, that's, that's, that's not right. It's an amazing thing, which takes us to Luke 19 this morning, which is the story of Zacchaeus. Now, I started our, our little time here this morning with this, the pure in heart will see God. And that we believe that if there's a desire to see him, things happen. So the story in Luke 19 is Zacchaeus is a man, and it says here, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, there, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house." So he made haste and came down, and, and they received him joyfully. But when, when they saw it, the, the other people, they all complained. You don't do that, Jesus. This man is a sinner. He says, he says they, don't, they, they made haste. They, some people accepted him joyfully, but when they saw it, they said, he is, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. How could this be God? And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. Now, when you look up the word Zacchaeus, names have meanings. Zacchaeus means pure. Pure. This man's a sinner. He's been ripping us off. God goes, that's not how I see him. He's that way, and, and he's accepted what, how people view him. But there was something happening in the heart of Zacchaeus where he wanted to see God. And he had to overcome 
a very difficult decision was brought to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, what's it worth to you to go see, to see this man? I just got to go see him. Maybe Zacchaeus was, was being, you know, like the shame and the ridicule that he, that he probably got from being a tax collector. Maybe that just was stirring in him and going, my life is empty. I, ha- I have no way around this. And I've heard this man, Jesus, is coming. And it changes people's lives. I got to see him. And where there's a desire to see Jesus, things happen. The amazing thing about it is the desire that he had. Um, and I'll just let me just say it this way: there are there are in it, it was a it was a mammoth life experience that Zacchaeus was faced with, just like we do. Like you could you could be faced and, and labeled by other people. Like he was labeled a sinner and reminded that he was a sinner and no good and nobody liked him all of his life. And sometimes the enemy will come against us with accusations. Like, you know, when you shared about ministering to the abortion and then you said you had five, right away you could feel the compassion of the father going, you've been marked by God. You can impart to everyone that comes to that door because you've met him and you know him. I went, oh. Because there's people that come with shame. But see, God looked at Zacchaeus, and when I look at him, as pure. In fact, fact, his name. And so I'm going to restore him. The amazing thing was about Zacchaeus, um, and and situations like this, I wrote it this way in my my notes. If you want to see God, the only way to do it is through surrender. Like Zacchaeus had to surrender his reputation to get up in that tree. He was a known man. He had, to, he had to surrender all inhibitions, push past, and sometimes we say this, when in surrender, it, it, if you want to see God, it comes through surrender, but not only you're surrendering your yes to God, saying, Jesus, I'll serve you, but anything he tells you that you go, no. Like sometimes God will ask you to do things and you'll go, oh, I, I don't want to do that. You imagine what turmoil Zacchaeus went through. The amazing thing about Zacchaeus was this. Um, it's a powerful thing about Zacchaeus. God didn't ask Zacchaeus to be pure to see him. The purity of Zacchaeus' heart was, I need him, I, I need to see him. Because repentance didn't lead to Jesus visiting his house. We think in the church that if you repent, God will come. We talk about that in revival. You want revival? Repent, get the fear of God in you, and God will come. That is not what the scriptures teach us. It said where there's a desire, God will meet that desire. That's a powerful thing. Imagine what revival would look like coming to Medicine Hat, because you're a house of revival. If God started to move on people, like they knew there was infallible proof that this guy is real, and he moves in your community, and he walks around your community, and people go, I will do anything just to see him. And it goes beyond their, their own inhibitions or how they're viewed. You look at acts of great, great acts of surrender where people pushed past their, the acceptable norm of society. 
Like as a, even as a people, you know, like God did, when God speaks, I, I just need to say this prophetically, he doesn't speak to your house, he speaks to you personally. And collectively, you're a, you're a community, but he speaks to you. Who is Jesus to you and what has he said to you? Not to, oh, Haven Church. The, you, you don't find in Scripture that way where, oh, oh it's to the, to the, to the church. Yeah, other than the book of Revelation, but it was still the people. But what happened, you look at the people that fully surrendered, the pure in heart will see God. Let's look at some other scriptures where they did that. The woman that broke the perfume on Jesus' feet, what did the people say about her? What's she doing that for? She's not even allowed to be in here. What a waste. But her desire was to be near him. So she, it pushed, that desire pushed her past how she looked to others. Zacchaeus did that. Woman of the well did that. You find all through scripture, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing about the heart and nature of Jesus. He just longs to be seen and known. And he puts in us that desire. Can you imagine what it looks like here to be Christians, to go beyond you know, like, like James, James' first encounter with Jesus as his friend, he tells this story. He says, uh, I'm walking down this path, walking with my, my friend Jesus, and Jesus says, tell that girl there that her sister, how was it? Your sister misses her. And it's like, what? Like, she's going to think I'm a stalker, and like, this is, like, I don't, she doesn't know me, and I'm going to go up to her and say, ma'am, ma'am, you know, like, I hear from God, and I have a, I, you know, do you have a sister? Does she, and, and she misses you. And the girl breaks into tears. He had to push past what was acceptable. And in doing it, he saw God. That's a surrender that God is taking the body of Christ to. Sometimes we say, you know, where is God? Where's the real Jesus? God's going, I'm right here. Surrender all of what you thought and were looking for and just come with desire to see me, because I guarantee you, the scriptures are true. The pure in heart, the motive that's, the heart that says, I want to see him, the pure in heart will see God. It's just a matter of time. And the Father wants to remind us of this word, that he's coming to shift the wineskins. And that means, it, if, if, and I said to the Lord, what does that mean you want to change, you want to revisit wineskins? And he says, well, I'm, I'm preparing to do something um, that you've never seen before. I said, God, between myself and my friends, I think we've seen everything. And he goes, oh, you haven't seen this. Now I'm going, because I've, I've been raised in the kingdom. Generationally, we've, we've walked in the power of God. I go, we've never seen what's coming? Oh, it must be glorious. Because what we have seen has been glorious. This must be much more glorious. And I was in a, at this leadership conference down in Reading, and they said this. This was the thing. He said, um, city transformation doesn't come by growing great churches. It becomes by individual lives being transformed and become living and have a testimony of infallible proofs that he's alive. And it changes the town. And they said this, in order to see the things you haven't seen before, you need to do the things you've never done. Well, for me, that's scary. 
But, that, but the Lord is coming to me and saying, Steve, are you fully in? Are you all mine? Have you fully surrendered not just your yes, but also your no? And it also causes us as leaders to learn how to pivot. When God makes a left, we go left. And it's not about how well you trust your leaders. It's how well do you trust the Father to lead you and guide you and walk you through things. So for, the two, for two mornings before we, we got on our flight, on, so Wednesday morning and Thursday morning, I woke up and I said, what's the one word you want me to leave to the, the people at Haven? And, and, and I've, I've learned this, that it's not just a word for you, it's a word for me too. And that was the word surrender. Are you all in? We shared that last, year, last August, Psalm 40. David said this to the Lord in Psalm 40, and we shared it last, last year. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but my ear you have pierced. When Paul talks about his ear being pierced, he says, I'm a, I'm a love slave to Christ. I'm not my own anymore, I'm his, to do whatever he's asked me to do. And part of surrender is that place where David said, you didn't ask for this, you didn't ask for good meetings. What you asked for was that my ear would be solely for you, that would be pure, dedicated to you, not defiled. Purity is, is undefiled, not defiled by any other voices, but yours, solely yours. When my marriage with my wife, there's a purity because it's her and I only. No outside defilement. That's what the Father's looking for. And he's hungry and he's visiting the earth. We thought we were. We thought we wanted revival. He's looking for a bride. He's looking for a resting place. And, and so when he comes, the amazing thing about Zacchaeus is Jesus was already coming. He was already here. But something stirred in him that he wanted to see God. And so he surrendered completely. And the Bible says this, when they got back there, and we, you know, repentance and the acts of repentance followed his encounter because one encounter will change you forever. Repentance, it says the goodness and kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. That you encounter with him as a person leads you to repentance. There's no amount of behavioral modification that you can do to get God to come or act or move on your behalf or bring revival to your city. It's are you fully surrendered? And when he is and he asks you to go left, you go left. It's interesting, this, the worship stage here is on wheels. That tells me it's mobile. But you don't know what to yet. You can come up with some really good ideas of how mobile it could be and what you could do for God. Or you could wait for him and let him instruct you, this is where we're going, this is what we're going to do. And you'll go, wow, God, what will people think? Oh, no, it's, it's what I think, Steve, not what they think. I want you to be concerned with I th what I think. Like it's it comes to me too. And, and James and I, it's like, you know, we got this, lady, this girl in the back and we give her the book. I'm going, that's my book. My yes. I, I had to surrender that for her encounter. That's a powerful thing. So we're done. Let's, we're going we're gonna to just pray together. Let's stand together. Um, I'm going to pray two things, and then the ministry team is going to come, and we're going to lay hands on you. James and I, 
um, well, I'll speak for myself, but I, I know he, he, is, he believes this too, that what, you, what we carry, we can impart and give away. We've been marked by him. We say it this way in our, in our lives and our journey together as we're walking with the Father. God, we don't just want to give you our yes, we want to give you our no. Any area of our life where we're hesitant to obey you or follow you because we're afraid. And God wants to remove the fear of man from us so that we're wholly his, fully dedicated to him. I felt very strongly that the Lord wanted to revisit the word he gave. I'm coming to revisit my bride. It thinks it knows what it needs, but it doesn't. So I'm going to give my bride a gift and it will answer the very deepest place of their heart, but it'll shift everything. And when God says that, he doesn't, he doesn't just say it to a church building or organization. He's talking about us individually. He wants to come to our homes and change them completely around. Where we're so marked by him that everything he asks us to do, we do. Even if it's scary because we're trusting in a person. Even if we don't understand it. So there's, there's in this, this meeting this morning, there's people that are facing Goliath circumstances. David had to surrender who the, who the, you know, the king said, oh, put this armor on, become this way, do this. And he had to, no, no, I have to surrender and just be me. I have to come out of the relationship I have with my father and face this giant. And had to surrender to what the people thought. Zacchaeus had to surrender. The woman with the jar of perfume had to surrender. I have to surrender where my fears are. This girl on the plane, God's going to visit her and say, I want you to surrender and no longer be led or influenced by the fear of man. He's coming to us as leaders. He's coming to us as families. So, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, based on my relationship with you, Father, that you would begin to pour out among us your heart, and you would, you would move so deeply with us that the fruit of that would be a full surrender of our lives and our hearts to you. Not to the system, not to the, the organization, and not to the things that need to be done, but to you. That, God, that you would visit our homes with your presence. And, Lord, that wherever we have this desire in our heart to see you, you would begin to move with infallible proof of your existence and your power and your ability to go beyond what we could imagine or think. So, Lord, I ask for all, all of us in this room that are, have, have this desire to see you, Lord, you would give them grace to go beyond what they would normally do to get to you. Lord, you would, you would tell them what they need to do in their heart. 
We're not going to do that here in the, from a, a, a directive. Lord, you know our hearts. You know where we're afraid, where we're caught by what others think or say about us. The Lord, that you would, you would just by your anointing right now just come upon us and begin to turn us and our hearts with a deep affection for you. And Lord, we ask that for all of Medicine Hat. Lord, we bless your movement and where you walk in this city. Lord, that wherever you walk, people will want to see you. Businesses and churches and schools. Lord, would you, would you increase the awareness of your presence? In the name of Jesus. I ask that in Jesus' name. And Father, that you would strengthen our resolve and know that the scriptures are true. The pure in heart will see God. And Lord, we remember that your heart is greater for us than ours for you. And that you are coming for us. You came for Zacchaeus and salvation came to his house. Lord, would you begin to stir and move people to have a hunger to see you. In Jesus' name.